Welcome to Football is Family, a podcast dedicated to the fan and fan experience. My name is Jeremy McFarland, and I want to look at the positive behind what makes football so enjoyable to watch and follow. I want to know why you are a fan of your team, of a player, or an era of football. Whether the pros, college, or high school, I want to hear and share your stories and your love for the game. If you want to be part of this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarland or on Facebook at the Footballist Family Facebook page. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Okay, well, I'll start with uh, uh, my name's Alberto Carrizal. Uh, I go by Albert by most people. Uh, <clears throat> I'm third generation Texan, a family of three, two daughters, one son. Uh, an entrepreneur, uh, been in business for 25 plus years, uh, a native born Houstonian, and I moved to North Texas uh, right around 1997. Uh, coincidentally, right around when the Oilers left Houston, I, I kind of got the same, I got, got out of Houston about the same time, but that had nothing to do with uh, anything other than it was just coincidence. <clears throat> uh, but I've been focused on my family and focused on my business for the uh, latter part of uh, <clears throat> my 25 years of what I've been doing. And uh, only in the past four years, if you want to define a moment, uh, when the NFL announced that the San Diego Chargers were moving to L.A., uh, I haven't thought much about football uh, since the Oilers left. Uh, I really, I really, I mean, I, I watch games and stuff, but I, I'm a person who can watch a game with no emotional attachment to any of the games. So they don't affect me one way or the other because, uh, they, uh, you know, the Oilers were my team. <clears throat> so when they announced San Diego moving, uh, that kind of lit a fire in me because I, I couldn't believe that they were doing that to another city, especially a, a city that had a 50-plus history of that franchise uh, being so integrated with uh, that city. It struck a chord in me, and uh, it, it it led me to to want to do something. And and I basically I started writing, and uh, what I wrote was a movie script from a fan's perspective uh, when they lose their their team, their childhood team. We always hear the point of view of the owners, uh, the point of view of the NFL, or NBA, or MLB, or major you know sports. Uh, 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 the sports, uh, you know, teams, uh, but we never really hear from the point of view of an actual uh, regular everyday fan. And that's what I started doing. I started writing the movie script from the point of view of, the, of a fan's perspective, a regular family. Uh, <clears throat> and through the course of the writing, I, I, I started coming up with some songs that you could say would be part of the, uh, the movie. And, uh, once I came out with sentimental blue, I, I, I had to go get it recorded to Nashville. I went straight to Nashville, called a guy. His name was Mark Riddick, uh, Mark Riddick productions. He specializes in country music. And I told him I have a song. Don't laugh. Uh, he says, well, what you got? He says, well, I got a song about my Oilers. And his first question was, well, who are the Oilers? I said, you're kidding me, right? He goes, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't, you know, but you live in Nashville, right? He says, yes. And you don't know who the Oilers are. He goes, no. So, <laughs> Mark, uh, I, had a, I had a school mark on the history of uh, the Tennessee Titans, the Houston Oilers, and the whole shebang. And uh, so he got a kick out of it, and uh, he helped me produce the song. Uh, uh, he, he congratulated me. He says, you know, you got a really nice little tune there. You, you should do a music video. <clears throat> and I said, well, I'm not the singer and I don't play anymore. So how the hell am I going to do a music video? I'm not going to lip sync my own song. <clears throat> he goes, well, why don't you call one of the old Oilers to be in the video? And, uh, 
I immediately thought of Dan and Earl Campbell and Dan agreed Earl still sitting on the fence and he's still sitting on the fence on it. Uh, but Dan uh, ultimately was in the music video and he's the face of the song of sentimental blue. And uh, he was a really, really true champion. They say, never meet your heroes, your childhood heroes, but Dan uh, definitely uh, was one that you want to meet him. If you ever have the opportunity to meet Dan, he was a great, great, great man. Good now, man. I'm, I'm sitting here benefiting. If you, could see my office, you would know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I'm benefiting from Houston's problem. I mean, you could tell what I'm wearing right now, can't you? <laughs> yeah. 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 I was wondering when I was listening to the music yesterday, and Cinnamon Blues, guys, if you go to Yahoo and I, not Yahoo, but uh, YouTube, I will put a link if that's okay. Put a link in there. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, didn't, I don't have any mainstream media uh, other than Dave Ward, who eventually signed the truck. Uh, but that I think it's amazing, by the way. The truck is a tribute to uh, the history of the Oilers. It's a Houston Oilers tribute truck. And, and again, everything about what I've done so far has been one thing leads to another. Uh, I set out on a quest simply to tell a story. The story of the Oilers is a story that needs to be told. It, it's an American story. It, it's part of our culture. It's part of Texas culture. It's now part of Tennessee culture. But that history of the Oilers, how it began, how, what, what transpired, the story of the Oilers in itself, it needs to be told. And it needs to be told from first-generation witnesses, particularly Amy Adams. And I hope someday to meet her and sell her that idea that her father's story needs to be told. <clears throat> It's a good story. Well, I was wondering if we were going to have some issues, you know, uh, me benefiting from your from your downfall a little bit. But I do <clears throat> the the whole purpose of football is family. Yes, <clears throat> is is what you're talking about. The exact reason what you're talking about. I've talked to people from Baltimore who says that when they lost their Colts, it's almost like they lost a part of themselves. And you think, well, it's a football team. It's more than that. So can you go into, you said you're a third generation Tex, Texas, Texonian? Uh, third generation Texan, uh, uh, third generation Houstonian. Yes. Houstonian. Houstonian. Okay. What was it, when did you start watching football and what was it like when they left? I started watching football uh, when the Love You Blue era took place, which puts me right about eight, nine years old. Now, the connection that was made immediately for me was my, my dad was a, was a pipe welder and he worked offshore on the oil rigs. He would leave three months at a time. Now I have two older sisters and every time my father would leave my, one of my sisters, Karina, she would, she would ball crying. And, uh, of course, I understood, even though as a young boy, as I was, I knew my dad was going to work to provide. <clears throat> and uh, it was cool because every time he'd come back, he'd come back with boxes and boxes of fish that he would catch. Uh, and we, we, we'd have fish all winter uh, because of what he did during the summer. <clears throat> and I always remember that. But, uh, you know, you see your father take off wearing that hard hat, knowing that he's going on an oil rig to work, uh, a pipe welder, construction, a very humbling profession. And yet here you're, here's your football team taking the field, wearing that oil derrick that represents what your dad does. And uh, as a son, from, a, from, the, from the perspective of, of a son, <clears throat> that, that made you proud of what your dad did. That, that, that said something that, you know, my dad may not be a, a rocket scientist. He may not be a doctor or a lawyer, but it ain't the doctors and the lawyers on the, on the football field. Now is it? It's the Oilers. And uh, that's something that uh, from a point of view that <clears throat> uh, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, it's very much like the Steelers 
because the Steelers represented U.S. Steel and 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 the 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 Northern uh, Industrial Revolution that America uh, went through, and steel represented the 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 that steel curtain of, of, of you cannot mess with the U S uh, we're as big as U S steel. And, and that said something and that, and, and to this day, it means something. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, you have the Steelers and you have the Oilers the polar opposites. And uh, I was so always so proud to, to, to be part of Houston and be part of that era. And, and to understand that, you know, Hey, <laughs> This means something, and in, and in reality, uh, on the football field, it transpired to a, a strong, huge connection to the city, to the players, <clears throat> and and, and uh, all of Texas, really. Because if you weren't a Cowboy fan, uh, or you, if you were a Cowboy fan, you know most Cowboy fans will tell you their second team was the Oilers. <clears throat> That, that is, uh, again, that's why I love about football fandom. There's a reason why people pick a team. For you, it was a connection between your dad and what he did and the team. But the location as well, uh, did, that, did that play a part in it, the location of the Oilers? It, 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 you know, granted, I'm Houstonian, so you're always going to be loyal to the soil for the, for the most part. I like that. Uh, I've never heard that before. <laughs> to the yeah, soil. you're loyal to the soil because that's where your your home. You know, that's where you were born and raised. So, uh, but the Oilers. If you go even back to Bump, uh, if you look up Bud Adams, uh, there's a newspaper clipping that I read uh, thanks to at Bud's Oilers. And if if you're not following at Bud's Oilers on Twitter, you need to follow him because number one, he's Canadian. <laughs> so. This, this is a man that is from Canada that has nothing to do with Houston, nothing to do with Texas. He just loves the Oilers. <clears throat> and he's a walking encyclopedia of the history of Oilers. So he knows a lot about uh, integral facts. And one of the things that he posted was uh, when asked, when Bud Adams was asked why he named the Oilers the Oilers, his words were, quote, for sentimental and, uh, uh, oh, the word was for sentimental and uh, social reasons. Those were his words. He named the Oilers for sentimental and social reasons. Now, uh, Bud Adams was an oil man, but he was from Oklahoma. <clears throat> so he wasn't originally from Texas. But yet, when he when he set foot on the Houston uh, uh, terrain, he fell in love with Houston, and uh, that was the name that he came up with, the Oilers. And he couldn't not he could not have picked a better name for the city of Houston because the city of Houston uh, was founded and built on oil. No other really city can really uh, no major city in the U.S. can claim that. Only Houston can claim that. When I remember, and I was looking around in my office, I got in a car wreck about five years ago, four years ago, and totaled my car. But on the front of my of my car, I had the Oilers logo on the license plate, and it's the only thing that survived. I thought, I thought you <laughs> needed to know that. And I have it somewhere around here because I had to remember, you know, how blessed you are for surviving something like that. Um the, the things I remember about the Oilers the most, uh, I remember the late 80s, early 90s Oilers. And mostly I remember probably Warren Moon uh, probably being one of the best quarterbacks I've ever watched in my life. But then you go, when the when the Oilers came here to tight, to um, to Nashville, and hold on one second, I have to show it to you. I have uh, the first thing I ever bought from the Titans is this thing right here. Mm -hmm. It's a Tennessee Oilers hat. It's um, we have no oil up here in Tennessee. It's just not we, well, it's somewhere, but I'm sure it's way down deep somewhere. Uh, you know, people said, well, we we need to change the name. And to me, when you change the name of a team, you lose the history of it. 
because the, the Titans are not originally the Titans. They're the Oilers. So you lose the history of the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, but keep I'm, in mind, uh, remember, because uh, you got to know the history of names, the Titans did exist prior yeah. to Tennessee. They were called the New York Titans. Yes, they were. So, yes, they were. I, I don't know why we picked that name in the particular, why we didn't try something new. Uh, I guess because he said, you know, Nashville is the Athens of the South, which is fine. But um, Well, you have to understand, you know, again, Bud Adams founded the AFL. And the Titans were part of the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, part of the AF, the original AFL uh, teams. So he somewhat funded the New York Titans uh, out of his own money to keep that team alive just because Bud Adams knew the importance of North and South rivalry. So even though the New York Titans at the time were losing a lot of money, uh, Bud Adams and Hines uh, 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 they were funding that team to make sure that they stayed afloat so that the league uh, could have uh, the eight teams that it needed to, to have a league. <clears throat> so the Titans, uh, again, uh, were very closely connected to Bud Adams. So it, it's kind of fitting that he pulled that out of the, the old hat and, 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 and brought it to the fore. I'm glad you brought that up. That makes a lot more sense for, for picking the name. They had the names, but it was only like tornadoes in the in – the- Cottonmouths, and like, I'm glad we picked the Titans. Um, now, I've asked people, in, in particular, the people from Baltimore, what it felt like when you were hearing rumors that the team could move. What did it feel like when Houston was talking about moving? When Bud Adams was talking about moving, now I say Bud Adams, <clears throat> but you know, it, when, when you look at hindsight 2020, uh, you realize there may have been other uh, agendas or other uh, angles to the story that they didn't really uh, bring to the front. Uh, But let's just go with what we know, because that's what we were told. What we were told was Bud Adams was making an issue uh, with the stadium, which we know to be true. We also know to be true that the stadium was getting uh, old and it was a relic and Bud Adams was uh, 99% right in regards to the stadium. <clears throat> so, uh, but when he did, when that news story broke, that it was becoming an issue and that uh, once again, the threat of leaving was being brought up, everybody uh, pretty much uh, chalked it up to Bud Adams just crying wolf, using that as leverage to get what he wanted. And uh, 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 if you if you remember now, I, the only reason why I remember this because it it, it affected us directly as a family. Uh, but the oil industry at the time was on a down downside. Uh, we, we were experiencing hard times. Uh, my dad had a hard time getting a job at the time. He had to go all the way to Bay City to get to get work uh, because uh, uh, so much of the work had. Uh, dried up at the time. Uh, so the Reaganomics is what they called it, uh, was hurting uh, that region pretty bad. So Bud Adams or the NFL or the city of Houston or whatever you want to call it, they, they couldn't have picked a worse time to bring up the subject of uh, the issue with the stadium, Bud Adams leaving, uh, because uh, for the average family, we had a lot other things going on that were way more important regarding our livelihood that we were more concerned about. And that was basically just putting food on the table. So uh, <clears throat> it, it, it was just one of those things that uh, you became callous to because he had threatened it before he got what he wanted and he stayed and really come on, you, the Oilers are going to leave Houston. You got to be kidding me. That's not going to happen. So it was it was one of those things as far as the barroom barbershop talk, uh, uh, you know, that, you know, nobody believed that it was ever going to happen. <clears throat> I just didn't see it happening. We, we uh, on this side of the of the aisle, <clears throat> we heard rumors the Predators had come to Nashville and we said, well, that we've got an NHL team. Now we heard rumors about getting a, a, a pro football team. I'm like, there's just no way. Nashville's not big enough for that. We're not going to get one on an expansion. 
And then we started hearing rumors about the Oilers coming. I'm like, well, the Oilers are are good. I don't know why they. Then I started to kind of get a little bit more detail about what's going on there. I can see Bud Adams' part, but you do get a, attached to a team. You do get attached to a, a a fan base like that, and it's almost as if you're losing a part of yourself. You definitely lose your identity. That's that. <clears throat> but see, now you're getting into a different aspect of a part of the story that uh, is just now being talked about, but it wasn't so much talked about back then because you didn't really see it. But where we're at as a society and as a world, as far as uh, the canceling of culture, canceling of history, uh, the, the uh, reorganizing of the American identity, uh, you start to realize that <clears throat> the when, when someone wants to take away your identity, you don't think much of it. it it's like somebody coming up to you and say, hey, you know what? For the better part of safety and the safety of, the, uh, of others, we need your thumb. We need your right thumb. We need to cut it off uh, and, and take that from you for the safety of others. And your first thought is, well, you know, I, I don't want to give up my thumb. That's my thumb. I need it. I said, hey, man, it's just a thumb. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we need it. And it's for the better good of humanity. So, uh, you know, suck it up and, uh, and uh, you know, let us take your thumb. So you agree to that. And uh, next thing you know, they're coming back and they want your, your right pinky, your middle finger, your whole hand, uh, your whole arm. And before you know it, you know, you don't really have much of an identity left. So coming after uh, <clears throat> the name Redskins, coming after Aunt Jemima, coming after uh, Lando Lakes, coming after uh, the Oilers, San Diego Chargers. It's, it's, it's little things that, you know, it's your thumb. You know, you're not going to die without it but they're taking a part of you that is yours and defines a society and defines a culture. It defines a region. And once you take that from them, it's, there's a hole there and you really don't realize the hole or you really don't see it until it happens to you when it happens to your region, when it happens to a part of you that you identify with <clears throat> You know, as, as, you, as Americans, we identify Nashville with two things, Tennessee, the Vols, Nashville, music, country music, and whiskey. You know, everybody outside of Tennessee, uh, that's what we associate Nashville with. And when we go to Nashville, when I come visit Nashville, which, mind you, I have, and it's a, a beautiful town. Uh, I was very, uh, so glad to be there and glad to, that Nashville cut my song. Uh, but to actually be on the outside coming in, uh, you know, those are things that you expect to see. Now, if you are a born and raised Tennessean, there are other things that go deeper for you as a Tennessean that, that, that don't that it's not just about whiskey it's not just about uh the volts it's not just about uh uh music there's other things associated with tennessee that that you know in particular because you're from there and and you know you know your ground you know your soil you know your town better than anyone outside of that region would know because you were born and raised there so <clears throat> again uh, we're, we're talking about one's identity and uh, it's important that all Americans realize that as a whole, we were being attacked. And I truly believe to this day that the Oilers was all part of the beginning of, of a canceling culture. <clears throat> you had them pushing the green new energy deal. You cannot have a major NFL team called the Oilers and then your political agenda is pushing the green new the new green energy deal. The Oilers had to go away. They were going to go away one way or the other. 
let me ask you let me ask you this um just a few years later in the, in the grand scheme of things not long after that <laughs> houston got a team again <laughs> and that laugh kind of answers my question is that more of a band-aid on a, a gaping wound that's a bait and switch <clears throat> the Texans, number one, is probably the lamest name you could name a franchise ever because that'd be like naming the Tennessee Titans. We'll change it to the Oilers and we'll call it the Tennessee Tennesseans. That's just, uh, you know, number one, the Texans was the original name for the Dallas Texans. Dallas Texans moved to Kansas City, became the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Dallas Texans changed their name to the Dallas Cowboys. So basically, if you want to add fuel to the fire, we're a throwaway name that the Dallas, Dallas Texans didn't even keep. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> and then you have, uh, uh, you know, the fact, the very fact that I always tell people that rooting for the Texans, a true Houston fan, a true football Houston fan, rooting for the Texans is like rooting for your ex-wife's new husband. You still love your ex-wife. You know, you have very close ties. She's the mother of your children. But, you know, you're not going to go rooting for the new guy. You know, uh, it doesn't even it doesn't even cross your mind to do that. Uh, and for me, when the Oilers were gone, that was it. I mean, I'm done. And there's a lot of people out there who are like that. You just don't, I mean, you could call them a silent majority because A, uh, they feel there's nothing they can do about it. B, what's done is done. It's history now. And C, Again, they've all found other things to do with their lives. Um, they're living their lives. Uh, <clears throat> but Oil Always Rises uh, came from writing the movie. And uh, there's a book uh, that has to deal with uh, losing a loved one and the grieving process. And that book is a very, very, very uh, uh, well-known book for uh, therapy and, and people who, who are looking to find answers uh, when they face tragedy in their lives. Uh, it's called Feelings Buried Alive and Never Die. Now, I don't have it on my bookshelf because I always wind up giving it away, but the title of that book is Feelings Buried Alive, Never Die. And that basically means that, <clears throat> uh, you know, you, you can uh, go through a grieving process, uh, <clears throat> never talk about a tragedy or never talk about a situation, but just the fact that you do not talk about it, uh, that doesn't mean that the body in itself is going to process uh, the grieving process because it's going to go through that process whether you choose to go through the process or not. So uh, uh, I found that book very helpful in my journey in life. Uh, in dealing with tragedy. And uh, I find that the Oilers, being that they never really truly were talked about, again, that's a, a, a death of a franchise that nobody talked about. Nobody wanted to talk about. A lot of people say, well, you know, y'all didn't show up when they were leaving. You didn't support them. There were only like 15,000 fans in the final game of the Oilers. So y'all didn't want them. Well, <clears throat> I always can really like to a bad divorce because if you really love your wife and she files, uh, files for divorce and she's hands you the papers, you know, a real man who still loves his wife and is trying to figure out how to, to put this back together, he's never going to sign those papers. <laughs> he's not going to even show up for the court hearing because he refuses to accept the fact that, that, that she's moving on. He's trying to hold on to something. And that's basically what the fans did of Houston. They said, look, you know, they're leaving, but we're not accepting the fact that they're leaving. We're not going to even be there because it, it pains them too much to even be there. They don't want to say goodbye. They never intended to have to say goodbye. So why should we say goodbye? You know, they're not going to. That's a Texas pride thing. 
that's that's Texans being proudful of refusing to accept the fact that they're leaving. So it wasn't the fact that they, they didn't care. It was the very polar opposite. They did care so much that it hurt them to even go see them play their last game. So <clears throat> uh, now we have 20 years later and you have everybody talking about the Oilers now. And, and, and like that book, Feelings Buried Alive Never Die, it's coming up. The, 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 the people want to talk about the Oilers. They want to revisit that. They want to know who the Oilers were. And again, <laughs> here we have uh, uh, <laughs> how Bud Adams has been able to keep the story of the Oilers alive is, is, is funny uh, because uh, what a lot of people fail to know, which to me, this is the key. This is the beginning of it. This is the story of the Oilers. The very fact that he lost his only son to suicide in 1987, that to me is a pivotal point uh, for the story of the Oilers. Uh, now, a lot of people don't know that angle of the story, but you're a father. Uh, I was, I'm assuming you are a father based on what I've read, and I'm a father myself. Now, I don't care how bad a person you were, you know, we all have our faults. And Bud Adams was definitely a person who had his great points, but he also had his bad points. And we all know that about, about Bud Adams. <clears throat> but what we didn't know that was printed in the story, but because back then that's not something you really talk about, it made the news and then it went away and then you forgot about it. Now, I consider myself a pretty good avid fan of the orders. And even I did not know or realize that Bud Adams had lost his only son, his only son to suicide in 1987. This happened right at the time that he was actually on his way to Jacksonville to talk to the people in Jacksonville about moving to Jacksonville. But when he got news that his son had committed suicide, he canceled all the meetings, turned back around and dealt with that tragedy. Now, Bud Adams being an old school fart and hard ass, I seriously doubt he went and sought any professional help in putting that tragedy in its proper place. Uh, like an old school guy that we pretty much were raised by, I'm sure he just sucked it up and just kept working and buried himself in work. Uh, everybody knows that he was a workaholic, <clears throat> but when you look at the, the psychological, a, psychological aspect of it, uh, Amy Adams confirmed this in an ESPN story. You can look it up. I'll see if I can find the link and I'll send it to you. She said her dad was never the same after that. And what parent would be? I mean, you can try to uh, act like it never happened. But the fact is that no, no, no parent should ever have to suffer the tragedy of losing a child, especially in that way. And uh, I, I do believe that the story of the orders begins with that, uh, mental health, uh, suicide. And it's not something that he talked about, but think about it. Every time now the orders came up, it always reminded, it always reminded him his failures as a father to his only son. Thus, after maybe years of, of having to deal with it and fight with it, he didn't want to fight no more. He had too much pain. He didn't want to deal with the city of Houston and their shenanigans. He didn't have any fight. So he just, like a bad divorce, upped, changed cities, and not only changed cities, changed the name and changed the identity. But he held on to the name orders. And he held on to it because, again, no, no major NFL or sports team runs deeper as far as emotion than the Oilers. It's not just it's just not it's not only a deep story. It's oiler oil deep. Uh, how deep that team is ingrained within that family, the Adams, which is why I would never want the Adams to have to sell. <coughs> Or, or 
or uh, give up the name the Warriors because that that is family to them. That is their uh, for Amy Adams. That's her brother. That's her dad. <clears throat> you know, now mind you, they're both in heaven now. So <clears throat> again, uh, when you bring up the name Oilers, there's so much to talk about, and that's why I really believe the story of the Oilers needs to be told because it does run oil deep. It, it does cut deep. It has a lot of. There's a lot of love there. There's a lot of love with the Oilers. And and there's 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 it's it's all about family and it's it's Amer it's an American story. There's no truer American story than the Oilers that needs to be told. And the story of the Oilers is not done. It's not finished. You know, a lot of people say, well, the Oilers will never come back. I said, well, you know, you go to Amy Adams. Amy Adams is the Michael Colleone of the football family. She was never never was supposed to have anything to do with the family business of running a football franchise. She was a woman, number one. And Bud Adams, you know, he's again, old school guy, you know, women had their place and it certainly wasn't in football. So there was no way in hell one of his daughters were ever going to be running his franchise. And yet here she is running a major NFL franchise and doing a hell of a job doing it. So she brought back the Titans in that franchise to life. She brought it back to life and she's brought everything. Uh, you know, she brought the, the, the NFL draft to, to Nashville. I'm pretty sure she's going to bring, bring a Super Bowl uh, game to Nashville. She put Nashville on the map. Uh, I mean, it wasn't just solely her, Bud Adams, of course, had a lot to do with it. But again, Bud Adams, by that time, he had lost his will to really do anything with uh, sports. He was just, you know, playing his life out. Uh, he didn't really have any muster after that. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, Amy Adams definitely has, has brought it back to life. And if you go to her office, there's a huge picture behind her desk of Dan Pastorini. That was her hero. That tells me and tells you that she was a fan of the orders just like everyone else. Now, she's uh, got to where she has Houston Oilers reunions. She started off the reunions in Houston. And then the second year, it got canceled because of COVID. Following year, she had it in Nashville. And uh, rumor is that she's going to have it in Houston this coming spring. And she will rotate the Houston Oilers reunions uh, every year one in Houston, one in Nashville, and alternate it back and forth. Now, she doesn't have to do that. She doesn't have to have uh, reunions for the former Oilers players, yet she does it anyway. Now, what I see that to me as, even though, like for me, you take me, for example, I moved to North Texas. You know, I say North Texas, but that really means that I live in Dallas, the Dallas region. Now, no true Houstonian is ever going to say that I live in Dallas. You know, you're going to say... I live in North Texas because, you know, you just don't say that I live in Dallas unless you just have to really spell it out for people. That's Houston calling you. You know, I felt the urge to write this story. I felt the urge to produce these songs. I felt the urge to do something for my home, uh, home city uh, because I just felt the need to give back. And lo and behold, I didn't realize that what I started off doing would have a lot to do with what's really going on worldwide, and that's patriotism. That's that's uh, saving the American identity, saving our country. Uh, we're all going through a lot of things, uh, uh, and what we're experiencing is something unlike we've met any of us have ever experienced ever. So <clears throat> it's all new territory for us, but it does bring out your calling, and. Amy <laughs> was a natural born Houstonian and she's natural born Texan. And those roots will call. They will call her. Uh, and this is why I see her doing what she's doing in these reunions, because she's trying to give back. She's trying to do right. And I think God and the universe will lead her in a path where things will come to full circle, so to speak. Now, how that's going to happen, I couldn't tell you. I just know that 
the Oilers that should be dead and gone and totally erased from history. And yet here we are talking about the Oilers. And I really believe that the story of the Oilers is not complete. That, that story is not finished. Things will have a way of coming full circle. How they come full circle, again, I don't know. Uh, I never thought I'd get to where I am right now. I currently have over 40 signatures in that truck. Uh, profound Houston Oilers players from Mike Barber to Dan Pastorini. Uh, uh, man, you uh, uh, Chris Dishman, Ernest Gibbons. Uh, there's so many of them, uh, uh, and, and so many of them that I've met and talked to, and the stories that I have now, uh, you you couldn't you couldn't put a price on that 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 body of work so far. That's what's been completed. Uh, I haven't made a dime, uh, but I'm not doing it for the money. Uh, I'm certainly not doing it for fame because uh, I, that's not what I'm after. What I'm after preserving and telling, uh, preserving history and telling the, the story of the Oilers, because I really believe it's a story that needs to be told. Albert, um, can you tell everybody where we can see you, uh, follow you on Twitter, and follow you on YouTube? On YouTube, uh, my channel is Sentimental Blue. I called it Sentimental Blue because at the time that I called the song Sentimental Blue, I did not know the legalities of, well, do I call it bring back the orders and can I get in trouble with that? Uh, so I just kind of, kind of called it a, a song, a name of the song that was, uh, uh, expressing the sentiment of what was being said in the song, which again, if you go back to the original reason why the Bud Adams called it the Houston Oilers, his quote was for sentimental and social reasons. And now when people ask me, why did you call it sentimental blue? And I said, well, it's kind of for the same reasons, but I didn't realize, you know, that that was a quote given by Bud Adams himself for sentimental and social reasons. So sentimental blue uh, is, is just that it, it, it's a, it's a YouTube channel called sentimental blue. Now my Twitter handler is where I spend most of my time because it's about all I have time for. And my Twitter handler is oil always rises and oil always rises is dedicated to mental health is dedicated to, uh, uh, Bud Adams son, uh, Kenneth jr. Adams. <clears throat> and it's also dedicated to my mom who, uh, <clears throat> fought bipolarism, the better part of her adulthood. Uh, she was not diagnosed with bipolar till 2004, 2005. And then when she was finally diagnosed as she was bipolar, she refused to admit to the fact that she was bipolar, even though we all knew that she was. It's just in the 70s and the 80s and 90s, uh, they didn't really have a name for it. Uh, you just were somebody who experienced a lot of ups and downs. And my mom was definitely one of those. So uh, I always tell people uh, I had to fight that personality because I'm not bipolar, but I have a tendency to act bipolar-ish. And, and that's because you tend to mimic your parents on how they raised you. And uh, we always just thought it was just normal. That's just the way mom was. But, you know, knowing what we know now, it's not normal. It is a disease. It is a, 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 uh, a chemical imbalance that people suffer. So, again, Oil Always Rises is dedicated to mental health and understanding that uh, the saying is no long, no matter how long hidden from view and now no matter how deep beneath the soil, oil always rises. And again, that's dedicated uh, to the mental health and the spirit of the book, Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. So well, thank you for joining us today. And uh, you, you've, you and I talked a little bit before you came on. He was supposed to come on yesterday. My computer decided not to work. But we talked a little bit about uh, mental health and about the importance of it. You heard my, my, uh, my show about uh, A.J. Brown, about <laughs> him, about his, his willingness to stand up and say, even though he's a young man, going to make a lot of money, good-looking guy who has the world in front of him, he still contemplated suicide. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's something that needs to be looked at and something that you need to tackle head on because it is uh, it is something that can be helped. 
It's a, it's a, we can tend to be our own worst enemy in life. And uh, we, we, we are geared to self-destruct if we allow ourselves to self-destruct. It usually just starts with a thought. But you got to know how to break that, those line of thoughts. You got to know how to break those, chain, those chains. And uh, that's not something that we're all taught uh, on how to use our mind. And uh, uh, that's definitely just something that has come to the fore of, of mental health. And it's important that it is to the fore because it's everything. It's everything. It, it all starts with, with our thoughts. And uh, that's something that I've learned in the past four or five years in my journey of, uh, of uh, learning more about ourselves, our spirituality, our mental health, our, 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 our spiritual growth, that, that we have the power to create. Uh, it's just what are you going to create? You're going to create drama or are you going to create beautiful things? And uh, it all starts with a thought. So mental health is, is, is so important. Uh, and, 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 uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that you're doing this. Uh, I encourage you to keep doing it. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to talk. There's a lot of people who need encouragement to talk. And the more we talk about it, the more people can uh, understand that they're not alone. Uh, they're not, you know, they have people out there who are very well aware of what they're going through. And, uh, there's they can seek help they can seek encouragement and that's that's the number one thing that that as men we were always taught not ask for help it's not in our nature to ask for help uh you know if we need help in finding directions <laughs> well we're not going to uh ask for that we're just going to continue driving till we figure it out because that is our nature <clears throat> but you got to know how to break that and understand and be man enough to know that hey i need some help I cannot figure this out. Uh, it, 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 there's no shame in asking for help uh, when you get stuck. So uh, that's a that's something that uh, I'm very grateful that you're doing, and I commend you. And I ask that you please keep doing it because it is very very important. Thank you, and, and thank you for joining us today on the Football's Family Podcast. And I'll put a link to your. Uh, like I said, I put a link to your YouTube and your uh, Twitter in the show notes. Uh, it was an honor today, my friend. Yes, sir. And I, I'd be glad to come on board on, on any time. I keep a close eye as to uh, what's going on in the football world. Uh, I, I'm pulling. Uh, I, I find the Titans very interesting. Uh, I'm very uh, keen as to what they're doing and, and how it's going to play out. I tend to troll both the Texans and the Titans, but everything I do is in, in fun. Oh, uh, no, it, that's the thing that I want to point out to people. You know, we I get people who are Ravens fans a hard time. It's a game. Let's enjoy it. Don't, <laughs> don't take it so seriously. But I want to point out this, and I'll have to close with this. Uh, when I play on Madden and I play as my Titans, I use the throwback Love You Blue jerseys because those are, to me, the second best jersey of all time. The first yeah. one to me is the old baby, the baby, the powder blue jerseys for the San Diego Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are those are perfect to me. But the love you blues, number two. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. We'll do it again. Absolutely. God bless you. Thank you. You too. This podcast is sponsored by Play Classic Sports Simulation Board Games. Spelled with two A's, P-L-A-A-Y. Realistic board game recreations of professional football, hockey, baseball, NASCAR, golf, and more. They cover nine sports in all, with a tenth, basketball, coming in 2022. You can relive great sessions of the past, create what-if matchups from different eras, and much more. It's fun. So if you're into sports history, you should check them out. That's play with two A's, P-L-A-A-Y, classic.com. And don't forget to use the code SHN at checkout and get 10% off your first order. Hey, are you ready for some football? Some fantasy football? How about some daily fantasy football? Silly questions, right? Of course you are. You're ready to talk some smack and win some cash every Sunday and Thursday and Monday and 
whenever there's football games. The Sports History Network invites you to play your daily fantasy football this season at thrivefantasy.com. Thrive Fantasy offers hundreds of thousands, millions in cash every day on NBA, MLB, PGA, golf, cricket, esports, and of course, NFL football. And just to get the 2021 NFL season started right, Thrive Fantasy is holding its $100,000 guaranteed contest with a $20,000 first prize. Sign up with Thrive Fantasy today to get a 100% match bonus on your first deposit for up to $100 in free daily fantasy football play. Visit sportshistorynetwork.com slash thrive, that's T-H-R-I-V-E, or enter promo code S-H-N when depositing at the cashier. Join Thrive Fantasy today, earn cash prizes, and support great shows like this at the Sports History Network. Now that's a win-win-win situation for you to kick off your own NFL season. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. 